Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I think one of the blessings of tithing is to have God's covering in some way over your family. I think it's something that is, is part of that. And, you know, for me, it's a great blessing to have two daughters who are both involved in church leadership and a son who's up here tonight and a daughter-in-law who's leading worship. It's just, you know, you can kind of go, oh, well, I didn't see the blessing. I did the tithing thing. I didn't see the blessing. It's like, do you think it is a fruit machine? You know, it's like God's not a fruit machine, you lemon. <laughs> it's like, oh, I put the money in, I didn't get money back. You totally misunderstood the concept of a covenant. You totally misread the Bible. People say, oh, people who are tired, who are doing all this kind of stuff, they're manipulating the Bible in some way. No, no, we just believe in it. We're believing on the basis of a covenant. I'm going to talk to you a lot about covenants tonight. People say, oh, that's Old Testament. Hmm, problem. Because then in G- Jesus comes in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 23 and he says to the people there, he says to the Pharisees who are tithing, he says, you should tithe. It's right that you tithe. You're tithing everything. It's good that you should tithe that. And you should not neglect the greater things like love and faithfulness. It's like, don't go thinking, oh, I can just love. It's like, no, you should be doing the tithing. That's part of it. And don't neglect that. And don't neglect the other stuff. It's like it's all part of this covenant. And he really is saying test it. And as, as I say, it isn't something that just goes into the old covenant. And, we, and there are some things that are perhaps old covenant. We're going to look at some of that tonight. We're going to look at these concepts of, of covenants in various ways. And um, some of you might have been at one of our sites this morning where we looked at a passage. Um, looking at a guy called Bartimaeus. who was around at one of our sites this morning and heard a talk about Bartimaeus. Anybody? few people great welcome back we're gonna look a little bit further at that um tonight is it too dark for you or are you okay huh it's all right okay that doesn't mean you fall asleep turn to the person next to you and say i'm watching you okay you're gonna stay awake yeah so i'm gonna recap the story because it will help us to think about this idea of covenant we're in a series called all about jesus we're looking at who Jesus really is. All kinds of people have opinions and verdicts upon who Jesus is. We're looking at what the Bible says about him. We're going to look at some of the titles that he used and claimed for himself and some of the things that other people said about him. And I think that's just so important. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think it's good if the church talks about Jesus. Yeah? You know, the church gets talking about all kinds of other stuff. Let's talk about Jesus. And let's do a series where we actually look at who Jesus is. Because I think the more we get to know him, the more we're going to be like him. That's the way it works. So we want to make him our focus, in, not just in our worship, but in our, in our teaching. And Lord, as we come to your word now, again, I pray that you would break off unbelief in the name of Jesus. That we would seize this as being your word. Lord, that you would find it in me. You pray this for yourself. I can't pray it for you. Make me good soil. 
Lord, that the seed that comes in would, would not just be pecked away by birds, it, it wouldn't just be choked out by life, but instead it would produce a harvest in my life, 30, 60, 100 fold what is sown. Lord, I receive your word now by faith. I believe it to be the word of God. And Lord, I know that if I don't do that, it, it might as well just be scattered on concrete. So now I receive it and I'm going to add faith to what you teach me. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 11, it says, sorry, Mark chapter 10, this is in the way to Jerusalem, in the way to the cross, on the way Jesus is meeting people. I said this morning in one of the talks, that it was basically by divine appointment, I believe, that he comes across this guy called Bartimaeus, and he ends up healing this guy who was blind. And it says, now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. Say son of David. Have mercy on me. Now that was, that was the basis upon which he, he was asking for this connection with God. On the basis of Jesus being the son of David. Okay? Really important. Many want him to be quiet and he cried out, but he just cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He's coming to him, you see, on the basis of a covenant. This is awesome to me. It's like this is the key with which he's, he's trying to open the door. When he's praying, he really is praying, he's talking to Jesus, isn't he? He's crying out to Jesus. He's got a key. The key for him that he's using is, Jesus, you are the son of David. So it's on that basis I can call out to you for mercy. Guess what? It works. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. They were all telling him to shut up before, but now they're all really happy. Throwing aside his garment. You know what? Why? I, I, he's answering me on the basis of the covenant. He's, I don't need that thing anymore. I said this morning, that was like his disabled badge. That was the sign that said you're an authorised beggar. He's like, I don't, have to, I don't have to carry that anymore. That's going to fall to the ground now. He steps up into, in the basis of this and he rose and he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? This is how covenants work. On the basis of a promise that's already been made. A promise has been made, now it must be fulfilled. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Are you getting this? This is huge. And in terms of how we pray, for me, this is a revelation. Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well. You have put faith in a covenant promise. That's what's made you well. It's big. I think, for me, this kind of thing could really help me to pray. I don't know about you. And maybe to see more answers to prayer. So, to help me to unpack it a little bit, we, we're saying that these different titles and names that, that Jesus gets referred to, and he gets called the Nazarene, and the Son of God, and the Son of Man, and we, the Word of God. We looked at lots of these in these series, and if you've missed any, I encourage you to listen to some of them, because I think it's been an awesome series. 
I think there's been some really good stuff that's come out of this. But on this Son of David, it's, it's not like a major title in the New Testament. It only happens a couple of times. Who's the Son of David? Well, naturally speaking, David was a busy boy. He had a lot. He had a lot of sons. In fact, if you, depending on how you count, he had between 19 and 21 sons. Some of them gave him an awful lot of trouble. The firstborn, Amnon, raped his half-sister and then another one of them, Absalom, kills Amnon, if you remember this. There's all this you know, horrible stuff that's happening. Absalom then comes along and tries to undermine David's leadership. He, you know, he says to the people, oh, you don't need to bother him with that, come to me instead. He tries to draw people away from the rightful authority and to establish his own authority. Almost works. Rebellion. There's still that spirit that can come into a church. It breaks up an awful lot of churches. It really does. You get somebody else who comes along and says, you know, don't listen to that person, that leader, and they build their own little kingdom. Instead, they draw people away. It never leads to anything but tears and division. Adonijah tried to do the same thing as Absalom. When David was getting on a bit, he, started, he proclaimed himself to be the king. When David's on his deathbed, if you remember this, and then Bathsheba comes in with Solomon and says, no, remember, he's the one that was promised. The promise has come to Solomon. There's a choice that's gone on by God. You can't bypass that. By wanting to be in that place, if God's not called you in it, to be honest with you, you don't want to be in it because you won't have the grace for it. But he had covenanted, God had covenanted with David. You can read about it in various places. He did it more than once. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, for instance, God told David, you will have a son and his kingdom will be everlasting. There's going to be a son of David who will reign over Israel and then his kingdom is going to last forever. So God actually only made a covenant. He made a covenant with David. And then only three men in the entire page of scripture are actually ever given the title, the son of David. There's Solomon, Joseph, the natural father, the human father, the adopting father of the virgin born, Jesus. And his genealogy is listed in order to establish the credentials of Jesus as being the son of David. Both sides, Mary and Joseph, you can read them both in the genealogies. Hmm. See, our God makes promises. Our God keeps promises. So God made a covenant with the son of David. Solomon, who was the fifth son born to Bathsheba you know so it wasn't this wasn't about a lineage or who's the first born or like God is sovereign God chooses who he wants to choose God puts his hand on some people
so, as I say, how God makes promises. The way the Bible talks about it is this word covenant. There's various covenants in the Bible. He made a covenant with Noah. What was the covenant with Noah? The rainbow was the covenant with Noah. And then he made a covenant with Abraham, the covenant of circumcision. And Abraham said, can't I have the rainbow too? That's a joke. But God made this covenant with Abraham and then he makes a covenant with David that he will bless his son and he, he will have a son who will rule. He will rule over the Jewish people and he will rule forever. Their sign is the star to remind them of David. But after Solomon married foreign women, God said in 1 Kings 11, I will take the kingdom away from your son. In fact, I won't just take it from him. I'm going to take it from the son who comes after him. And that natural kingdom is going to break up. Do you remember this? Yeah. And it started to happen. The kingdom, the earthly kingdom, began to break up. I'll read it. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel because he was just a man who had appeared to him twice. It's like, I don't know how many times the Lord's appeared to me, but to be honest with you, I've broken covenant. I'm going to talk about a new covenant in a bit. I'm glad we're on that one. He commanded him concerning this, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. See, this is a covenant based upon the obedience of Solomon. And he broke his side of it. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you've done this and have not kept my covenant. It's like, you didn't keep your side of the agreement. I said I would bless you. If, this is the way covenants work. If you will, then I will. That's how covenants work. If you will pay your mortgage, this will be your house. Yeah? If you miss all the payments, this will be our house, say the bank. Yeah? Well, that's not fair. It's a covenant. You signed it. You can't argue with the covenant. A covenant is a promise. Because you've done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I've commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. And people, you might read that and think, oh, it's not fair. He promised that he'd have a son who would be there forever and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, on the basis of his obedience. Yes. And actually he does keep his promise, but just not the way he thought. Because there is a covenant that is established and there is a son of David whose kingdom will reign forever. And over his cross... It said something. What did it say? King of the Jews. Jesus is the king of David. He is the son of David. He is the king of the Jews. Nevertheless, he said, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David, because I made a promise to him. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. I will not tear away the whole kingdom, but I'll give a tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I've chosen. Which is the tribe that gets kept? Judah. Who comes from the line of Judah? Jesus is the lion of Judah. So the covenant will not be broken on God's side. He's going to find a way to fulfill it. Because the problem with covenants with humans is we break them. We sell lemons. So I also want you to understand a little bit about covenants, something you can look at a little bit more in your grow groups here in the week. 
You know, we put some material together for grow groups for you to be able to look at, including a link to this video, which we'll now play about covenants. Then I'll come back. Is that okay? This creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. Anybody glad they came already? How good is that? Why are you listening to a preacher? Just get online. So good. So, God made a covenant with the son of David. Only three men in the entire pages of scripture are given the title son of David. We've talked about that. Solomon and then Joseph, who was in the bloodline, who was just an ordinary guy who, who basically said yes to the thing that God called him to do. And then... Jesus comes along and Bartimaeus, although he's blind, sees what nobody else sees and starts to call out to him, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. And when, when he comes to him, as I say, he comes on the basis of the covenant that Jesus is the son of David. He is the Messiah. He's the one that has been promised throughout the whole of scripture who will come and set the people free. And he could come on that basis of that covenant at that time quite strongly. Why? Because that was the only covenant that was in place for him. That was the covenant. As a Jewish man, he could come to him and say, you're the son of David. You're the one who's been promised is going to set the people free. I'm coming to you on the basis of that covenant. Lord, have mercy on me. Contract. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Covenants, agreements, very powerful spiritually. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, have a look at my Facebook page today. If you're not, I'm open for friends. There's a thing on there about a guy called John Ramirez, who, uh, who was a witch and a warlock and a Satanist. And he has some very interesting things to say about Halloween. Uh, about what it involves and the partnerships and the agreements that people are making by thinking it's just a bit of fun and dressing their kids up as witches and all those kind of things. He basically, he comes in on the, on the, and he speaks it and he says, look, you know, I was in that world for 25 years and the, the, the guy who's in charge of the church of Satan said, I want to thank all the Christians who celebrate Satan every year with us. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to celebrate Satan, thanks very much. I pick sides. But you can say, oh, it's, a, it's a bit of harmless fun. Mm. There's a contract. That's what he says. You sign up. How many of us read the terms and conditions? Honestly. We, I mean, not many. Oh, John does. He does. He does. He's weird. Other people. He does. He does. All right. Most people, I don't. Read the terms and conditions. That's why Google owns all your information. You're like, well, I didn't expect that. I didn't want that. Tough. You sold your photos to Facebook. You let them have them. It's in the terms and agreements. You pressed agree. Oh, but I didn't want it. And every now and then somebody will put something on that says, all you've got to do is write this and say, I don't give anybody permission to be able to do all of that. And da, 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 da. And everybody shares that one as if it works. And somebody will come on and say, loser. That's not true. You already signed up. They've got it. You signed the contract. You signed the covenant. That's basically what is happening online all the time. Even if you don't agree with it all, want it all, etc. You click agree. Agree. 
That's it. You've got to be careful what you agree with. You have to be really careful what you make agreements with in your life. Your life is actually a set of agreements that you keep on making with God and with other people and with all kinds of spiritual powers all the time. And there will be repercussions for all of those agreements in the end, for good or for evil. Now, there's a woman whose story troubles a lot of people when they read it, and it's troubled me too over the years. And I've prayed about it this week, kind of because it's the one that God kept bringing me to in this series. Because as I say, there's not many places where Jesus gets called the son of David. In the, in the, and I've written, I've put this series together and I've put in there son of David, so I better find out a bit more about son of David. And then you look at it, and there's this other story in the son of David, and it's one of those ones you don't really want to preach about. Because it's just not a nice story. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. Maybe you've read this one and scratched your head about it. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now what this means is, Jesus has gone from Galilee, where all the Jewish people are, and now he's gone out of the area that is known as Israel at the time. And he's gone to where the Gentiles live. There's only two occasions when it turns out that Jesus actually left to go and do this. And it seems that he's done it quite deliberately. Now he says after this. Whenever you read after this, it's good to read what came before this, isn't it? Yeah? After this, Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Well, what's gone on before it is, Jesus has been having issues with religious people who've all been talking about what's clean and what's unclean. And they've all been talking about you know, you've got to keep the covenant by eating the right food, washing your hands correctly, being a good Jewish person. That's basically what they're talking about all the time. And it's, I think he's doing Jesus' his head in. So he then says, right, come on, we're going. And we're going to go out of Israel. We're going to go somewhere else. And he takes them all to this other place, quite a long way away, to the coast, to Tyre and Sidon. Is there a map with that, with where Tyre and Sidon is? Can I put that on? And... Uh, if so, that's good. If not, I missed it. Doesn't matter. Okay. And behold, say behold. behold. Great Bible word. A woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Same words. I've got a problem too. What's her problem? Well, it's not actually my problem. My daughter... My daughter is severely demon-possessed. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't want to be even a little bit demon-possessed. Not about you, but being severely demon-possessed is a big, big problem. Yeah? So it's like there's some agreements that this girl or perhaps her ancestors or her mum have agreed with that have ended up opening up the door to all kinds of evil spiritual forces to be able to run havoc in her life. There's agreements that have been made which have taken over this girl in such a way that now they run her life. These evil spiritual forces will run her life. And when you look at what that kind of means around the Bible, you're going to see it often involves people cutting themselves. It involves people being mentally tormented in various ways. It means that they get driven away from other people. It means that they want to kill themselves because the devil hates us and he wants to steal, kill and destroy. And when we make agreements like this, we give him legal right to be able to do whatever he wants to do. So... This isn't, I'm not saying it's her fault, I'm just saying this is the consequences of what's going on. Now, you would think, wouldn't you, on the basis of who you know Jesus is, wouldn't you think that Jesus would say, yeah, wow, I've come to destroy all the works of the evil one. 
let's go and sort that out. Let's go to your house. He doesn't say that. What does it say? Read it. Say it together. What? Not a word. See, he travelled to this particular place outside of the three Jewish provinces of the time, which are Galilee, Perea and Judea, which actually are still within the grounds of the promised land. They're still within Abrahamic promised land. They're still within that place. He didn't go beyond the Abrahamic covenant places, the promised land. It's still in the promised land. It's just not in Israel. But he goes there to this woman and she finds out that he's in the house. And actually, I believe that he went to enforce the covenant. Because actually, the only times that Jesus ever went, by the way, interestingly, to where Gentiles lived, there's only, went, there's only two occasions that's described in the Bible. Both times, there was people that troubled by demons. And the other time was he went to the region of the Gerasenes. He went specifically there because there was somebody there who, again, was under the power of another kingdom. And so the king came and sorted that out. You know, I don't know about you, I believe in evil spirits. I've seen it at work. I've seen the, the, the way in which they can ruin people's lives. And I'm no longer going to pretend that I don't think that happens. I think that, that if you find yourself bound, if you find yourself cursed, if you find yourself keep going back to the same old sin, you need to be set free in the name of Jesus and there's only he can do it. And this isn't just about, oh, and therefore we know we're going to just you know, so pray some little prayers. There's actually a spiritual warfare thing going on whereby we need to claim the authority that's been given to us in the name of Jesus. We need to say, by the blood of Jesus, you are set free. And we need to declare that in order that people can be set free. And you look through the whole of the Old Testament, you never find an occasion anywhere in the Old Testament when somebody was, was healed of a demon. Nowhere. Jesus comes to town, the new king is in town, he says the kingdom of heaven is here, boom, demons, they start to come and they say, we know who you are, you're the son of God. The demons knew who he were before anybody else knew who he was. So he comes to enforce the covenant. She says, oh Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon possessed. He answered her not a word. His disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. He's bothering us. It's like that's what the disciples said a lot, by the way. Anybody in need, can you get rid of them? They're bothering us. There's all these 5,000 people who are really, really hungry, Lord. Send them away. Send them away. Somebody else sort them out. Again, why did the woman, why, did he, why, why would he talk or not talk? to this woman, first of all. He answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why would he talk like that to her? Various reasons that people have given, but you need to know this and remember this. She is not Jewish. She is not a Greek. She's a, she's not, she's a Gentile. She's not a Greek. In fact, her people were historically the great enemies of the Jewish people, the Canaanites, but she came looking for him because she's desperate and he gives her this answer or non-answer initially that seems to be quite rude. Why? Well, I've looked in all the books. Three times, three times the covenant, is meant, three, three times answers are given. These are the answers that are given generally. Number one, you see if there's any of these that you think fit. Number one, some scholars say 
the only reason that basically it was here, this woman came and because of the way she spoke to him, she made Jesus feel a bit bad and he changed his mind. And that's why he did it. It was like he realised in talking to her that he was a bit racist and a bit prejudiced and, um, and so he, need, he really needed to be taught to be nice to strangers. There's some people written that in some commentaries, rip them up, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, because I don't think that's Jesus. Now, the other possibilities I've read, I'm not quite agree with, both of the other explanations are to do with tests. Tests. Who, there's a test going on here. Story about tests. Little story about tests. There was once a man who was taking a class in ornithology, which is, is the study of birds. And he became an expert on birds. And the, the teacher had a reputation for being very difficult and setting very hard tests. So this guy just studied his brains out for the final exam. He goes to class feeling quite prepared. But instead of a normal test, he finds that there are 25 pictures on the walls of birds' feet. He's supposed to identify the birds by their feet. The guy goes up to the teacher and he's like going, he says, this is bonkers. I've done all this study. Nobody could take this test. The teacher says, if you don't take the test, you fail. And this kid says, well, I'm not going to have it. It's ridiculous. And the teacher said, well, you've got to take the test or you fail. And the kid says, well, go ahead and fail me. I'm not going to take the test. The teacher says, right, that's it. You failed. Give me your name and the kid takes his shoes and socks off and says you tell me <laughs> thank you Karen so <laughs> so is this a test is it like a really difficult test is it a test of the disciples that's what some people say he brought them to Gentile country to test the disciples and see if they could get over their prejudices, their exclusiveness, and all of that. And that's what some people say. Other people say, no, it's a test of the woman. It's a test of her persistence. Will, even though he's rude to her and ignores her, will will she get offended? You know, there's a lot of people. We can get offended quite easily. It's possible. We don't get the answer that we want when when we wanted it, the way we wanted it. We can even get offended with God. Because my thought you should do this. We didn't do it. You've not done it yet. I'm offended. She could have walked out of the house, slammed the door. Couldn't she? I mean, he's quite reasonable to think, well, not talking to me like that. And off she goes. It's possible to be able to do that. Maybe it is. Maybe there's something about that test. I don't know. But you know what? I've got another theory. I think Jesus wanted to show us here a key by which we can come and get answers to prayers that maybe we've not got yet and it's to do as you might have already guessed with the idea of covenant look again at the passage what covenant is she trying to get an answer from Jesus on the basis of son of David does she qualify is that her key it's not her key she's not Jewish that's an Old Testament promise to the Jewish people specifically Bartimaeus He could say it, son of David, Lord have mercy on me. Bingo. On the basis of covenant. Not on the basis of need, 
on the basis of covenant because he's Jewish. I'm not saying we have to get everything word for word right here and there's a wideness in God's mercy, so bear with me on this. This for us is about a study. It's about trying to learn to go a little bit deeper perhaps into what, what God's trying to teach us. And I was just felt as I was reading through this that the Holy Spirit was giving me some kind of clues is that okay? To be able to help, to be able to go a little bit further and press in and not give up. If you've a feeling like I'm going to give up, to kind of go, I'm going to give that key a try. Is that okay? Yeah. See, the interesting thing is Jesus does not answer her on the basis of her need. Does she, does she deserve to have her daughter controlled by demons? No, no, no. no. So that's a, real, that's a need. She has a need. Her daughter is a real need. Now, if Jesus just saved and healed and delivered on the basis of need, there would be no need and there would therefore be no need of prayer. She calls him Lord, son of David, but that's not her key to use. He does not answer her on that basis. Not because he doesn't care, but it's like, you can have all the numbers on your phone, but if you don't do them in the right order, you're not getting through. The disciples don't care, but never assume Jesus doesn't. Then he says, talking on the basis of the covenant on which she has addressed him so far, I was not sent except for the lost sheep of Israel. And then you've got to think, and she knows, well, with respect, Lord, why are you here? So she comes in with a different key. Can you use this key in prayer? I think so. First of all, she came and worshipped him. It's like a tumbler starts to go. She came and worshipped him. Can you do that? You can worship him. When you start to worship Jesus, even if he's been silent, worship him. Worship him. Things start to change. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. There's something that goes on in worship. It's hugely powerful. We're going to worship again in a minute. That's going to be how we start to pray. Yeah, so we come in and we worship God. We worship Jesus. You start with who he is. Lord. Lord, I enthrone you. You are Lord. You are in charge of every situation. You are God. You are powerful. You are wonderful. You are big. You see him as he is. You see him as he is. You start to see him and you worship him for who he is. It's not about feelings. It's a decision to worship. I will worship you. I will worship you. And he says, that's not your bread that you're asking for. That bread is for the children of Israel. You know, there's been all kinds of stuff, bread, hasn't there, in the children of Israel's journey so far. Man in the desert, he's feeding 5,000. There's an awful lot of bread going on. That's not your bread, that's for the children of Israel. And he's right. Say Jesus is right. Jesus is right. Say it like you mean it. He is right, even if it seems like I don't understand what's going on. He's still right. He still knows what he's doing. God chose the Jews first. He has not forgotten his promises to them. I hope he doesn't. Because if he changes his mind about them, he could change his mind about you and me. And he will not change his mind. Because he's chosen them on the basis of a covenant. Yes. He's not done with them yet. And he keeps his covenants Read Romans 11 when you get home. It talks about how we are, they're the natural branches of God's olive tree. We've just been grafted in. 
Now, at the time of Jesus, the Jews would call the Gentiles dogs. They looked down on them because they were not in the covenant. They were not in the covenant of Abraham. They were not in the covenant of David. So they said that they were dogs. And the word, by the way, the word dog that Jesus used, though, here is little dogs, like puppies. You see, dogs in the Middle East were despised animals. They were like scavengers. Nobody had a pet dog. They were you know, garbage eaters. They were seemed like pigs, unclean. But Jesus softens the language here, and he uses the word puppies, basically. It may be, you know, some people have written about this and said he's, making a, he's trying to soften it for this woman in some way. He's, he's meeting her in the conversation, helping and encouraging her. So again, he's not just going to answer on the basis of need. He needs to answer this prayer on the basis of a covenant. A covenant has been made. But this woman's daughter needs an answer and she's not Jewish. So she starts to worship him. And then he says, in worship. See, sometimes you're in worship and you start to get the beginnings of an answer. Has that ever happened? You're in worship and you start to get the beginnings. This whole sermon, everything in it, started out of a little bit of worship. And then you start to get some revelation. God starts to show you something you never thought of before. Yes, yes Lord. Yet even the little puppies eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now, somebody should say, Wow. Because when, when the Lord showed me the implications of this, the implications for my prayer life is huge about what gets answers to prayer. What's the key that she found for prayer? Can you see it? What is the basis? Her prayer was answered upon what basis? What did you say? Faith. Faith. That was her key. He got it. Oh woman, great is your Faith, that is the key for us. Faith in Jesus. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus hears faith, Jesus sees faith. Jesus responds to the key of faith. Oh woman, great is your faith. There's only two occasions when Jesus says anybody's faith is great. Both happen to be with Gentiles. One of them is this one. The other one is the centurion who came and said, my servant is sick at home. But you don't have to come. You can just say a word. And on the basis of that word, I'm a man under authority. I know how authority works. He can be healed. Jesus said, I've not found faith like this anywhere in Israel. That's what I'm looking for. So, I'm not Jewish. I can't come on the basis of an old covenant. But I can pray on the basis of a new covenant of faith in Jesus Christ. And I can say to him, on the basis of who I know you to be, I will worship you. And on the basis of what you've promised by faith, if you've promised something, I'm going to bring that promise to you. And I'm going to say, do what you have said. So my job as I'm looking through scripture now is to find not just problems, but answers. And if there's something in there that I will be able to claim that God illuminates and lights up for me, I'm going to start praying on the basis more and more of that covenant. I'm going to present that back to him and say, please do what you have said. This is what your word says. I'm believing it. I believe your character. 
please, will you come and do this? And so now you see, as Christians, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, all of our prayers, because he died and rose again, our prayers are done on the basis of we come to him by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. Click, 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 click. Here's the door. She's not saying I deserve it. She's just saying just a little scrap from under your table. I'm not even worthy of that. But you're the master. You're the, you're, I want you to be my master. Whatever happens, I believe that you'd do that for me. Just a little thing. It's a little thing for you. It's a big thing for me. Please, Lord, will you do this? There's a, last week I did a little prayer from my Anglican background. I've got another one that comes to mind for this one. The prayer of humble access that is prayed in the communion service. It says, we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not, so, we're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. So feed us with the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ your son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. Amen. This is our covenant. This is how we can pray. Band are going to come up, lead us into a place of worship and then maybe there's an answer you've still been waiting for. Have another go. Just bring it to the Lord. Not on the basis so much of your need but on the basis of faith in the covenant. He's promised to love you. He's promised to bless you. He's promised to look after you. He's promised that if you come into covenant with him, he will wash away all of your sins and forgive them. And he will bless you. And you will be a blessing. All of those other covenants, we can take hold of them too because they're all wrapped up in Jesus. But the, the, the big one, the big key, is the name of Jesus. He is the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Just begin to worship him and pray. And Lord, we worship you for who you are. Lord, you, you opened Bartimaeus' eyes to be able to see who you are. And he followed you. Open our eyes. We started off by singing that. Open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, open our eyes. Give us revelation again, Lord, to how good you are. That you would come to earth to fulfill all of the promises, all of the covenant. Lord, we receive those blessings, not because we deserve it, but because you have sealed those promises with your blood. You've signed those promises, Lord. You've put your name to them. And you've said, up until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask. Ask and you will receive. Your joy will be complete. Lord, we want to make your joy complete too because we know that you rejoice when people are set free, when people are healed, when people are, are delivered, when people are, are given a fresh start, a new life. And when, Lord, when you do miracles, you rejoice in doing that too. We saw it something before, you delight in showing mercy. We, we believe that is true, Lord. So Lord, we just come to you now and as we worship, I pray that you would take us through the worship closer to you 
And as we get closer to you, to know that we can ask you, as your children, for ourselves and for others, on the basis of who you are, Lord Jesus, you're the living bread that came down from heaven. We can eat as much as we want of that bread. Thank you, Lord. We can feast on you tonight. Lord, show us how to use this key of the covenant promises in order to be able to open up things that have been locked up by faith in the name of Jesus. So do this now as we worship. We're going to go into a worship time, but it's a worshiping coming closer to Jesus time so that while you're there, when you're with him and he's with you and you know it, ask again, ask big. Ask him to do what only he can do. Don't give up. It seems like he's been silent. It seems like he said no. Come again. Come again, Lord. We come again tonight with some things that we, we kind of felt like we might walk out the door. We felt like um, you weren't there, you weren't listening, and we had to turn our backs and walk away, Lord. But we're not going to do that. We're going to stay here and we're going to ask again. And we're coming, Lord, on the basis of faith in who you are. You've given us a glimpse. I believe you would have maybe given that woman just a little smile, just enough to encourage her. Come on. You see who you are. She saw who you were. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.